Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. The Tuesday after Labor Day, we get back to work with Mark Canizero of the New York Post. Covers the New York Jets uh, amongst a lot of things that he does. Uh, I had Bob Glauber on the other day, and as you well know, Bob uh, announced his retirement after 45 years as a writer. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, and we had a lot of exchanged, a lot of Bill Parcells stories uh, covering the Jets when Parcells was the coach of the Jets. And obviously, before that, he coached the Giants. But Parcells, you know, and I did a pregame show with him when I was doing the Jets. And one of the things he told me, you know, off the record, was that he, he had he had certain respect for certain writers because if he shot at them, some of them would take it and shoot back. And Glauber was one of those guys. You were another one that he cited. So be, feel feel proud of that. I definitely was. In fact, I, I remember my a, a bit of a seminal moment for me with Parcells and really in my career, Howard, um, as, a, as a younger reporter. I was working for a smaller paper in New Jersey before I got to the Post, and uh, 
we always had to do a uh, every at the beginning of every season had to do like a special section, which we still do at the post now, but you know, just a NFL preview section. And I was doing the obligatory quarterback feature for our section and uh, at the Bridgewater Courier News in New Jersey. And I was doing a piece on Phil Sims. And the week, you know, I was there, one of the days I was there to do the reporting um, was a day, uh, the day after I think Lawrence Taylor had been suspended for cocaine. Right. Or something, you know, something like, so, like, so that was blowing up Giants camp basically and I asked Parcells a question you know just a very benign question about Phil Sims and he, all his answer was he's doing okay and that was it right and I was like well that's not really going to work for me right so the next day I was back there again and Bill Parcells had no idea who I was Howard okay I was you know because you know at the end of the day it's the way it works but these people don't know unless you're in a bigger paper you know, the athletes and the coach, they don't really, I don't want to say, they don't really care, you know. They, they know the, the post and the news and the times and the Bridgewater Courier News, no. So the next day I'm there and I asked Parcells a question about Sims again. And he, I was kind of sitting behind him and he, he, he turned around and looked at me and he goes, you asked me that same goddamn question yesterday. <laughs> and I told him, I said, you know what, you gave me a shitty answer. <laughs> And he looked at me and he goes, I like that. He goes, what's your name? And I said, Mark Canizara, we're the Courier News, blah, 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 right? And I'm telling you, Howard, that changed our relationship. Well, first of all, it didn't change. We had no relationship prior to that. And that was the beginning of our relationship. And you you, nailed, you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that anecdote with, with Glauber because Parcells was, was a bit bully-like. And the bullies, you know, when you, when you slap the bully back, you know, you, you gain a little bit of respect, and uh, and I think I that day unwittingly, I gained some respect from Parcells because I shot back at him, and I had a good point because he knew he gave me a crappy answer the day before, right? Well, I wanted to get into to the, the Jets conversation, but before we do that, I got to tell you about a personal experience with Bill. After a game, I said to him, uh, "You on first down from the three, you went inside handoff." Second down from the three, same play. Third down from the three, same play. He says, are you criticizing the play calling? I said, not at all. I'm just wondering, uh, isn't uh, the bottom line to score by whatever means necessary? He goes, yes. He goes, what would you have done? I said, well, on first down, I probably would have play faked. And I think I'm going to have a wide open tight end somewhere in the end zone. He goes, "Uh uh-huh. The next next week, Mark, they had the same situation. He went play fake on first down. One of the reporters said to him, you went away from your uh, normal inside handoff. He goes, well, my radio guy suggested I try this. <laughs> and everybody, everybody's laughing. So my partner, Dave Jennings, went down to, he, he was always there at the beginning of the press conference. I came down when I, after I closed off the broadcast. I come into the press room. Jennings says to me, Parcells gave you credit for the play call. I said, what? <laughs> so I go into his office. I said, what's that all about? He goes, well, you made sense. So I thought I would take advantage of a little surprise. And a couple of weeks later, he and I played golf in Jupiter. Or no, no was that a couple of years later. We played golf in Jupiter. And I remind him of that. He goes, people think that I'm stubborn. I said, you are. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> he knows it. 
He always knew it, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's get into the Jets. Jets haven't gone 11 years without making the playoffs. And I really enjoyed your column today where you basically pleaded with the Jets, don't start Zach Wilson. Give him another week off. I thoroughly and completely agree with you because if Salah's saying it's possible, I mean, he can he can play that game if he wants, but I think he's looking for a tragic mistake if he played Zach Wilson this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously not a doctor. I'm not. A, I don't consider myself an expert on anything, but I'm just kind of looking at the the scenario here. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't practiced in in go. You know, in more than three weeks. Right. I believe today is three weeks since the since the surgery he had, and. You know, this is not a, a grizzled veteran. This is a guy that, that, frankly, in the in the in the nine plays that he played in that preseason game in which he got hurt, didn't look very good. You know, he threw an, in, an absolutely inexcusable interception to right. a, to a guy he didn't never even saw, and then he made the you know a, 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 the poor judgment of trying to gain a few extra yards in a preseason opener when he could have just run out of bounds and he hurt himself. So. This is not a guy that I really 100% trust right now, I guess is the best way I could put it, in terms of making the right decisions and all that. And, you know, Flacco, Joe Flacco, is the backup, the veteran, 37, been to a Super Bowl, won more than 100 games as a starter. I get it. He's two, I think he's two for his last, four, I think he's two and 14 in his last 16 starts, which I get. But, you know, half of those have been with the Jets, who, who stunk. Um so and the other the other ones were with Denver and they weren't any good when he was at Denver. So I'm not killing him for that. I'm, I get it; he's not the same quarterback he was. But Joe Flacco had a pretty darn good summer from what I could see in the practices that I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really you know flinging the ball around a lot. So or, or well, I should say. So why not let Zach just kind of settle in a little bit? He's obviously he's you know he's right on the very beginning of the period of time that they feel like the knee should be recovered. What is the harm in giving it another week to, to strengthen, giving him a full week of practice where he's going to actually participate in practice instead of, instead of sitting around on the sideline and watching? And they always talk about mental reps. So you have, how many times have we heard about mental reps all the time? I'm sorry. You just can't, you can't duplicate that. Just like, just like practice can't duplicate a game, a mental rep can't duplicate physical practice, in my opinion. So I don't care how mentally in tune Zach may be, by going to the meetings and all that stuff, you need practice. And, uh, you know, he played nine preseason preseason snaps. So why not protect protect the knee, let him get a little bit more, you know, up to speed and confident practice-wise, and then play next week, you know, the following week, I should say, in Cleveland, if, if he's physically ready to go. Uh, that's just my, that's my feel on this. Again, I'm, it's easy to say, oh, well, you're not a doctor. If, you should, you should, if the doctor's clear, I'm let him play. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. I just feel, my gut feeling is that's rushing him back, in my opinion, if he plays this Sunday. Yeah, no, I agree. He's Mark Cantazero of the New York Post. The offensive depth chart right now uh, looks improved, uh, starting with the offensive line, uh, Lakin Tomlinson, Dwayne Brown, who's had a lot of experience, helps to fortify the offensive line. The wide receiver room and the tight end room is clearly an upgrade over where they were. So, I mean, Douglas made a promise that he was going to surround Zach Wilson with more talent, and he has. The addition of Garrett Wilson in the draft to go along with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. The tight end combination of Conklin and Uzoma 
Uh, I think, I mean, you tell me how many quarterbacks have been successful without good tight ends. The answer is probably not very many. So he's got. And the Jets have not had. Jets just haven't had a tight end in right. a few years now. I mean, they right. need to go back a while. I mean, Ryan Griffin, who was not a, you know, I mean, he was more of a pass catcher than a blocker, so to speak. But a few years ago, he had some decent numbers at tight end. Before that, you got to go back a ways, you know. I mean, last year you could make the argument they, I mean, they barely had an NFL tight end on the roster last year. You know, now they've got two proper, solid, at least semi-proven more than semi-proven, I think, tight ends for Zach Wilson to throw to. Yep. You know, both these guys, and they've got the rookie from Ohio State who's got some really good skills, and he's shown some good stuff this summer, uh, Ruckert. So, um, uh, listen, I think, I mean, that's, to me, that's probably top to bottom the most upgraded position. Uh, at receiver, i got to tell you, I am really, in fact, I'm just about, I'm sitting in front of my computer right now about to write a column for tomorrow uh, about you know, the impact that I think some of these rookies are going to have. And one of those rookies is Garrett Wilson, you right. know, the, the, the receiver that they drafted out of Ohio State. I, I like what I've seen. I've had, I've had a one-on-one conversation with him this summer. I've watched him in practice. He goes up and gets the ball at its, at, at its highest point. He just, there's just something about this guy. He doesn't, he doesn't have incredibly great size, but he really goes up and gets the ball. Um, and, uh, I love his attitude. He's had a few drops in, in, in practices, you know, which is, you know, I suppose you want to say understandable. That's fine. But um, I'm really intrigued to see how he he acclimates and how quickly he acclimates. Um, because, as you know, Ohio State has become quite a right receiver, uh, um, you know, factory, so to speak. Um, so, and this kid had a really good year last year. And, again, he's just, he's humble. You know, he, he doesn't seem like he's got that, Diva receiver trait that, that I cannot stand. And, uh, you know, the Jets have a couple of those guys because I think that Elijah Moore, who they drafted last year, is, is similarly that, similar in that way, that he's not a diva. He's not a get me, you know, give me the ball guy and all that kind of thing. So I like what I see out of both of those spots that you mentioned, tight end and receiver, um, without question. At the running back position, we're basically looking, at least early on, running back by committee with Brees Hall, and Michael Carter, um, does it matter who gets to start initially? No, not at all. And, and in, in the system, in the system that that Mike Lafleur runs, the offensive system, which is essentially the Shanahan system at San Francisco, th- those guys, their characteristic of that system are, are, are running back by committee. They're just shuffling guys in all the time. You know, they had Mostert, and I think it was McKinnon, if I'm not mistaken, in that you know when they went to the Super Bowl that year. Um, you know, they they they're constantly rotating these guys in and out, and I'm really impressed. I really was impressed last year by by Carter. I mean, his third round pick. I thought he was extremely productive for a rookie third round pick last year. He's also interestingly, and some guys just are born with this, I suppose. He's really Michael Carter has really embraced this leadership role. I mean, he really is. If you watch that sideline, when, when any, any play, anybody comes off, I mean, offense or defense makes a big play. I mean, Michael Carter is the first guy on that, on that field to congratulate these guys. He's really taken on a, a role there. And you're adding now Brees Hall, you know, one of their draft picks, one of their top four draft picks. Uh, and this guy was the most productive running back in the country in college last year. Uh, I, believe, I believe there's a stat. I think he scored a touchdown in 24 consecutive games for Iowa State or something like that. So, um, 
you know, this is, you know, he's also a guy that's shown some explosiveness in, in, in the summer. He had a big breakaway run in the, uh, um, touchdown run, 60 or 70 yards, uh, in, in the, uh, uh, joint practices with Atlanta, uh, which at that I was at, uh, a few weeks back. So, um, I think that, you know, again, uh, upgrade, some good depth and, uh, this guy's also a good pass catcher out of the backfield, Brees Hall is too. So I think you're going to see a lot of productivity out of him as a rookie. He's Mark Canizero, the New York Post covering the Jets. On the defensive side of the ball, the return of Carl Lawson is probably as important a factor as anything else. Uh, C.J. Mosley is a very strong part of this defense, and so is Quinnen Williams. Then you go to the secondary, and Sauce Gardner, obviously, is, and people are curious about him. LaMarcus Joyner. Jordan Whitehead, DJ Reed, questionable, unfortunately. But I think this is a defense, obviously, again, improved. The question is, they're going to be tested, certainly, in week one uh, by Lamar Jackson, who was very effective running with the football. Yeah, everybody's going to be tested. By, not just the secondary. The, all 11 will be tested by Lamar Jackson on Sunday, without question. Probably, you know, if anything, maybe more for his legs than his, than his throwing ability. Uh, but yeah, you, you mentioned some of these guys, you know, Jordan Whitehead, uh, who we actually had on a, on a conference call yesterday, a Zoom call, um, you know, coming from a winning organization with Tampa, um, so that, you know, you, you try to bring some of that DNA into the, into that locker room, um, and, uh, you know, uh, Sauce Gardner, I mean, this is another one of these guys who I am, I can't wait to watch play, because, I mean, this is a guy that I did not give up a touchdown in college, uh, and you know they didn't even go the Giants didn't even go after him. I don't believe there was a pass thrown his way in the Giant Jet game, you know, in the last preseason game that was played. Um, and he's another guy I, I see a little bit like uh, Garrett Wilson that just has a maturity about him. Um, he's very confident. Uh, I asked Robert Sala yesterday, you know, you know, where would you? How would you characterize it? You know, uh, you know, Sauce's confidence level, and Sala's answer was eleven. That's what, <laughs> what he said, which I loved. It's at an eleven. In other words, you know, he kind of he went. Uh, 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 I thought that was a, I thought it was a pretty good characterization. So uh, uh, I, I like what they. I mean, you know, other than you know, when you look at tight end and receiver, I think the back the defensive backfield is is the is the next place where they it's. I mean, they had guys that just shouldn't have been starting football games in the NFL last year playing cornerback right. and safety, you know, at times. So, I mean, it just, you know, they have, you know, they seem to have some professionals back there now, and hopefully that's going to manifest itself. You know, all of this, you know, it all sounds so good, Howard, right? I mean, the upgrades, it looks great on paper. But, you know, we've got to see these guys play, you know. And one of the things that bothers me about the about where the NFL has gone now with preseason and the coaches and the philosophies is just nobody plays these preseason games. And, I mean, everybody's petrified of injuries. And I'm just like, well, I mean, you can't play scared, you know? I mean, and I just feel like everybody plays scared. And, and because of that, nobody gets any game reps, you know? So by the time you start the season, you have no idea what you're really looking at, you know? Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier in our conversation here, you can't, you know... Mental reps don't properly, you know, duplicate practice reps. And practice, you know, you can't you can't replicate a game in practice. You just can't. And I don't. And I, I count even those 
those those you know the, the joint scrimmages that these guys you know joint practices that these teams did the Jets and Giants did for for a day and the Jets and Atlanta did for a couple of days those aren't games those are practice you know it, it's not a simulation of, of a game so uh, you know I I don't know what we're going to see on on Sunday against Baltimore I mean they could they could lose forty four to three or they or they might beat the Ravens you know I don't really know what I'm, what to expect mm-hmm. um, you know listen everybody has their you know you know. Baltimore's coming off a terrible defensive season last year, but that was a largely because of injuries, you know, and, and a lot of those guys that were hurt last year are back. So, um, I, I'm, you know, as we always are for the openers, you're always intrigued because you just don't know what to expect. But with the, with this Jets team, with there's so much new newness to it, you know, Robert Sala has been saying to me, I mean, I played golf with him a couple of months ago, or you know, maybe a month and a half ago before training camp started. And uh, so much of what we talked about was just how much he is waiting with bated breath for his stars to emerge. He knows he has talent on the team, but he's waiting for to see who are the guys that are going to make those plays in the fourth quarter. And he addressed that. He brought it up yesterday a little bit when I asked him about the rookies. And, uh, you know, we're all waiting to see that, you know. Uh, unfortunately for Jet fans, there haven't been any of those players <laughs> in the last few years. So... You hope that there's a good handful of them that seize the moments in, in those moments, uh, starting on, on Sunday against Baltimore. Mark Canizero, the New York Post, covering the Jets in the division. Buffalo. You talk to people; they are everybody thinks that Buffalo could be this year's Super Bowl championship team. Uh, the addition of Von Miller uh, gives leadership to that secondary uh, and in the locker room, certainly. Miami has improved. Uh, Tyreek Hill makes them dangerous. But the question's always going to be Tua. Um, Tua Tagovailoa uh, has now got himself a, a sensational wide receiver to go along uh, with Jalen. And um, they could be very explosive. But I have to believe this is a make-or-break year for Tua. He's either got the goods or he doesn't. And then with New England, Mac Jones showed some flashes last year. Uh, look, when it comes to this division, Mark, you know this. Buffalo is clearly the best team in the division, but after that, it's up for grabs, right? I do believe that. You know, I think a lot of the prognosticators seem to have New England and Miami. You know, um, I mean, if you just look at the over/unders for wins, I think Vegas has got the Jets' win total over/under. I think it's five and a half or something like that. Um, I really like the over there a lot. Now, I might be totally wrong. You know, that's not the first time. But uh, I, I just, I feel like you take New England, Miami, and the Jets, and, you know, those Jets are probably behind those guys just because of, you know, they haven't, they haven't proven anything in, in, two, in, a, in a while. Um, and New England has Bill Belichick, who's, you know, one of the best coaches of all time. So uh, Miami, to me, you know, I think, I got a lot of questions about Tua, like you just mentioned, you know? I mean, um, now the interesting thing about Tua is that, you know, he his accuracy has been really, really, you know, his, his accuracy numbers are really good. But, he, you know, he throws the ball, you know, four yards in the air, you know? But now, in other words, you know, it, it's all, it's a total short passing game it, it is, it, it is really what they've employed there. Now they got a new system in there now with McDaniel and, and, and the whole new coaching staff, and you, the A four mentioned Tyreek Hill. You know, this is a guy that you know makes his money going deep and making big, 
explosive play. So that is going to be fascinating for the Dolphin fan to watch to see, you know, how well Tua is able to get the ball to, to Hill. And as you mentioned, you got Jalen Waddle on the other side, who's a pretty damn good receiver. So it's not like he can teams can just completely load up on Hill. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, I, I, I lump the Jets, Miami, and the Patriots kind of into the you know the the also under consideration, so to speak, in in the division. You know, after Buffalo. Uh, I still think Patriots are probably going to be better than the other two just because of Belichick and his system. It's proven, you know, and even though he's without Josh McDaniels this year, and that offense has looked by a lot of, uh, um, you know, eyeballs up in New England, uh, you know, when you read about it, has looked pretty bad this offseason or this, 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 this summer. But does that really mean anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, hardly anybody plays in preseason games. So. I don't know what to think, but you know, of all the rookie quarterbacks, I thought Mac Jones, even though he did, he didn't flash. He was probably the most solid, and I think he had the most solid numbers, uh, you know, out of all the rookie quarterbacks out of that class last year. Well, last year the Jets were zero and six in the division. Now, obviously, that's got to improve. When I looked at the schedule, and I don't, you know, make a prediction based on the schedule. You open up with a Baltimore team that can, that can hurt you in a lot of ways, and Mark Andrews is a load to have to defend. But when you get past that, the next game after that is Cleveland. We don't know what they are. Uh, they got to play Cincinnati. They're, they were in the Super Bowl last year. But if the Jets, and this is a big if, if the Jets have anywhere near seven games, if they've won seven games by the time they get to the last four, you've got Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle, Miami, last four games. Those are all winnable games. Yeah, they are, but I have to say if you're if you're um, I think that's a little bit a bit to ask to have seven games, uh, seven wins with four to play. I think it would be you know, I mean it would be a dream for a Jet fan and, and the Jets, you know, they, you know, they, they, they're talking to talk about wanting to play meaningful games in December. And if you're going to be doing that, then you're going to have to have somewhere in the neighborhood of at least six wins probably before you get, you know, into December. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's there for the taking if they can, you know, I, I, I think, a, I think a, a, a good start is just critical for the Jets because, you know, listen, I mean, there's seven point underdogs at home against, against Baltimore this week. I get it. And Baltimore's better. They got, you know, they got one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. But, you know, the Jets, if they're going to be any good this year, or they're even going to be, if they're going to be as improved as we think they should be, they ought to be able to have a pretty good chance of beating Cleveland, you know, with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's obviously jumping into the following week. You know, they got Cincy, you know, since he was in the Super Bowl, you, you know, what are you going to do there? I don't know. You know, Pittsburgh, you know, with, with you know, Trubisky quarterback comes up next. You know, then Miami's after that. So there's some winnable, there's some, in theory, winnable games in the first five or six weeks of this year. And the Jets can't go and start one and five. Otherwise, we're just going to be looking at the same slop we've been looking at for the last few years. Um, so I think it's, I think a good start is critical. I think you gotta you got to win some of these winnable games early. Um even if they go and lose to Baltimore on Sunday, go to Cleveland and win that game. You know, go beat Jacoby Brissett, you know, and a, and a dysfunctional Browns team. 
um, maybe it's not fair to call them dysfunctional now because Baker Mayfield's out of there now, but obviously the whole Deshaun Watson thing's been a mess. Um, but everybody's known that Deshaun Watson was not going to play, at least early in the season anyway. So, I mean, I, you know, Cleveland's got a pretty stout defense. It's not like that's any kind of a layup. I mean, you know, you're looking at some pretty good defensive players on the other side of the ball and Miles Garrett and, and company. But anyway, no game's going to be easy to win, but the Jets are going to have to win some of these 50-50 games. The bottom line is you know, they can't go and start 1-5, and five, you know, or something like that because they're, not they're not going to dig out of it. Um, so, you know. And, you know, like it is for every team, you want to, hopefully they stay healthy so you can actually see some of these players play, you know. Um, I, I don't think, you know, but, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but when you talk about Lamar Jackson, we both know he's a tremendous talent. I'm just wondering how much of a problem this is for him with a contractual situation that remains up in the air. Um, he wants whatever he wants, and they don't want to give him whatever he wants. And you wonder after a while if that affects not only the quarterback, but the rest of the team. I, you know, my feeling on that, Howard, is that once the, once the once kickoff comes, all that stuff is. They need not thinking. Nobody's thinking about that stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, they're playing football. I, I don't. I don't. Listen, Lamar Jackson knows he's going to be a you know a multi multi you know m- you know multi multi millionaire at some point. Whether the Ravens are going to slap the franchise tag on him, and he's still going to make crazy money doing that. I, you know, I just don't think that stuff distracts players as okay. much as we think it does. If that makes any sense, uh, they, the, the Jets were four and thirteen last year. Any connection with last year's team and this year's team, I, I think, is it's a silly argument. Let's remind ourselves, Mark, that of their four wins, two of them came against Cincinnati and Tennessee. <laughs> now, maybe those teams didn't take them seriously, but the fact is. They beat two pretty good football teams. They did, and that was, you know, I mean, certainly outliers. I mean, Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC playoffs, and Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl, so that's pretty good. But, you know, that's kind of where I get back to these 50-50 games, Howard. You know, the Cleveland game, you know, 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 the Miami matchups, those kind of things. you got to win some of those things, you know. Um, You can't, you know... Those are the games you got to win. Yeah, they stole a couple last year, you know, against Cincinnati with the Mike White, you know, craziness and uh, uh, and the Tennessee game. But I, you know, they 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 have to play five hundred ball at least against the teams that you know that are that I would call the fifty fifty games, right? The games that are within a couple three point you know uh, point spreads or whatever. If we're going to use you know use put through you know use the point spread into play. And they didn't win many, if any, of those last year. You know, but again, they were a much weaker team last year with a brand new system and a brand new head coach, and right. a rookie rookie quarterback that was fun in his way. You know, um, you know, I, I just think I, I'm just very, very fascinated to see once Zach Wilson gets in there, yep, how much better he's going to look, and hopefully, it's a lot better than last year because he was. You know, let's be honest, he was. He was. He might have been the worst starting quarterback in the league last year. I know, analytically, statistically, he was. Um, and you, we can talk about the, his mad physical skills and all that all, all we want, but you got to see it on the field and uh, in the results. So you know, he he has nowhere to go but up. But and again, I'm not putting any stock. I'm, I don't want to say any because I'm, I'm bringing it up. So obviously, I'm putting a little bit of stock into it. But 
I don't want to put a lot of stock into those nine plays that he played in the preseason game, but my goodness, I mean, the interception he threw in the Philly game was awful. It was it was a play that he would have made last year. Yep. That, to me, that's alarming, mm-hmm. you know? Again, it was one play, and it was the first series of preseason game, whatever. You know, and listen, I mean, Tom Brady's going to make dumb throws, you know, a handful of them every, every season. I'm just saying... Those, what he did in that Philadelphia game is a lot of what we saw last year is my point and even though it was only nine plays you know and I'm not trying to be a, a doomsayer in any way but um, you know the better quarterbacks get a, get the benefit of the doubt because we've seen it you know we've seen the good side of it we haven't seen the good side of Zach so, so much right so we need to see that and we need to see it pretty quickly in my opinion um, when he does play whether it's this Sunday which I really don't think it's going to be this Sunday I really believe Getting back to Zach on this Sunday, I think there's a little gamesmanship involved there on, on the part of uh, Salah. Even though I don't think he's a huge game player, but you know why not let the let the Ravens guess a little bit for a day or two of game planning? Um, but I really think the Jets, who have historically, dating back to last year, been extremely careful with Zach Wilson and his and how he returns from a knee injury last year. Yep. They were very cautious when they brought him back, so I can't imagine they're going to be. I really don't think he's going to play this week. And the point of my column was, you know, don't be tempted, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see, you know, what the product's going to look like. I really am. And beginning with Wilson, how much better is he going to look? How much more in command is he going to look? Um, you know, he looked jittery last year and unsure of himself. You know, we don't, you know, Jet fan doesn't want to see that this year, you know. Completely agree, Mark. Keep up the great work. Keep hitting them straight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You stay safe. Thanks, Howard. Talk to you soon. Mark Canizero, the New York Post. Outstanding reporter. Been on that beat for a very long time. And he has seen some bad teams. I mean, there's no question about it. There's some bad teams that the Jets have had over the course of time. Let's get more into the NFL with the start coming up on Thursday. And we welcome in Randy Cross. Hello, Randy. Hey, how you doing today? I can't complain. You all right? Good. Yeah, doing good. Sound like you're out of breath. <laughs> nah, nah, it's just uh, Tuesday mornings are kind of crazy. I'm in New York, been working out, getting ready to go over to the studio. A uh, lot of question marks. As a matter of fact, I don't remember a season before the season where there have been so many question marks because of a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson now playing in Denver. Tom Brady decides to come back after it looked like he was going to retire. I mean, there's a list of things. But one thing is, I think is pretty certain that most people feel like this is the year for the Buffalo Bills. What do you think? Um, by all indications, I mean, most of the sort of where are they relative to the other 32, uh, 31 teams, you know, people have them ranked, I don't know, anywhere from one to three to four. I mean, somewhere in that top, you know, that top four, top two in the AFC, let's say. Um, I guess I'd say it's got to eventually happen. Uh, I just don't see sort of, you know, what's wrong with the Bengals, what's wrong with the Chiefs. You know, I don't think there's this prohibitive thing. I know they've been there a few times and, and not been able to do it. You know, Zach Allen, he, Allen's the reason 
you are what you are if you're the Bills. And getting a guy like Von Miller on the defensive side should be a, a hell of an ad. So I understand the optimism, but I'm more of a, you know, show me more than tell me kind of guy. I agree with you about Von Miller. I think, you know, what he gives you on the field is one thing. What does he give you in the locker room? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, the, the confidence has got to be crazy having him on that defensive line for the defense. Um, and his, his his ability to hunt the way that he can and be that kind of designated sickum guy on the outside. Um, and that makes him, that makes them, uh, the Bills, exponentially better and perhaps even makes the Rams maybe a little more vulnerable for not having them. So I, I understand what people say about that. I just, you know, I got to look at, I think, to me, the total picture, there's probably eight teams right now you could look at and say, well, they're right in it. But until further notice, you got to deal with those guys that got the ring. Hey, Randy, we don't have to wait very long. Thursday, the Rams play the Buffalo Bills, and this is the game right out of central casting. Is Von Miller going up against his old team, and the Rams looking to make a statement that they're the team to beat and win a back-to-back Super Bowl, but... It would be foolish of me to say that even though this is the first game of the year, you wouldn't consider this a statement game, would you? Um, well, I, it's the most important game this Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of that, it may be the most important week one game. Um, but, you know, every single game in the NFL – you know, especially these early games mean so much, especially for the teams that are trying to establish themselves. But, yeah, I, I think for Buffalo, if they look at it that way, um, they might be in for a, a rude awakening because it's that's usually not the way it works. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I just, you know, this is a, we got to, you don't ever have to win anything. You should win every single game you play if you can. But, you know, I don't. I don't think you're going to see um, McDermott and company go into this game. You know, everything loaded up on this one. I, I know it's going to be hard to convince Von Miller that that isn't the case, and it's going to be hard to convince the guys that have been in those last few playoff games that that's not the case. So. He's Randy Cross, one-time NFL lineman with the San Francisco 49ers. Let's let's look at the history of the Buffalo Bills, and it's like close but no cigar. Four straight years in the 90s, they get to the Super Bowl and don't win a game, despite the fact they had one of the more spectacular rosters you could ever put together, from Jim Kelly, the quarterback, to Thurman Thomas, to Bruce Smith, you name it, uh, all-pro Hall of Fame players. Last two years, they lose to Kansas City in overtime last year, AFC title game the year before. At some point, uh, you know, the ball, the oblique spheroids got to bounce their way. Yeah, you either you know you either break through or back off. Um, they never really kind of backed off when they were doing the almost, you know, getting to the Super Bowls, getting to four in a row is an incredible achievement. Just not winning one leaves you with a bit of a stigma, you know. And Minnesota Viking fans can kind of relate to the same thing. Um, after last year, Bengals fans to a degree can kind of relate to the same thing about you know almost getting there and having done that a few times. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, 
I, I look at, at Buffalo as just a, an unbelievable story. I think they're a really good offense that potentially could be a really, really good defense. I mean, a nasty defense. In a defense, I mean, in a division where I'm not sure how challenged overall they're going to be because they're probably a couple games better than whoever finishes second in that division. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you mean the AFC East. Uh, you yeah. look at you look at Miami, who's improved with the addition of Tyreek Hill. You look at New England, who's always going to be a team with uh, Bill Belichick. And Mac Jones had a pretty solid year in his rookie year, so you, you got to believe there'll be improvement there. But I'm intrigued with the Jets, Randy. i got to tell you, look, they haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. They've got a lot to prove. But Joe Douglas, the general manager, swore he was going to improve the roster offensively to surround Zach Wilson. And that wide receiver room and that tight end room they've got now is significantly better. The only question is, I mean, Robert Sala can say that Zach Wilson is possible for Sunday. I think that would be the worst thing they can do by playing him without more practice time. Well, you know that's one of those situations, Howard, where you haven't really heard much of it yet, but it's almost where the coach has to protect the player from himself. Because unless you drafted the wrong guy, Zach Wilson will be standing on the soapbox, the proverbial chair or whatever, screaming, put me in the game. I want to play. So, you know, he hasn't been in since, what, first, second week of August, hasn't really done much. Uh, rehapping from that knee just might not be the right time. I mean, uh, it, on paper, in most circumstances, wouldn't you think that this would be enough time for a franchise guy to come back and get a chance to play? I mean, I would. But, you know, early on, you know, all of the above, I, I just don't see them. I just don't see them taking that chance. Maybe they will, but I, I think maybe next week or so. But, hey, let Joe Flacco go against his old team and let the guys rally around him. I mentioned before about the wide receiver room being upgraded. Uh, the, the, the drafting of Garrett Wilson, who has really stood out in training camp uh, on a number of levels, not only on the field, but the way that he's conducted himself, conduct himself from a maturity standpoint has been very duly noted. If he is successful, that makes a guy like Elijah Moore that much more dangerous. The tight ends, they last year they had, I mean, you could have played tight end last year for that team. I mean, and I don't mean to disparage you, Randy, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the addition of Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzoma, I think gives Zach Wilson, when he comes back, and this week, Joe Flacco, two really good tight ends, and you show me a quarterback that doesn't have a good tight end, I'll show you a quarterback that's going to struggle. Yeah, well, in, in this day and age, you you better have a whole bunch of those guys because um, you need those those players that can that can get on the move, that can threaten the middle of the field, that can settle down and t- you know catch those tough touch shots and have the ability to go. And either one of those guys have that ability to go. Um, and then coming out of the backfield, you know, you got a kid like, you know, whether it's Brees Hall or Carter or whoever, um, you can do some pretty special things with, I think, the backs too. But, yeah, you're right. You're, that wide receiver room is going to have to be the, the big difference maker along with those tight ends. But I think as far as stretching the field, 
that's going to be the job of a guy like Garrett Wilson. And then you get Conklin and Uzoma behind that, being able to take advantage. And, and having a veteran early on, unless they like Joe, if he indeed that's the way they go for a week or so, will not be a bad thing for that offense and for, the, for basically the feel of what they – what they want out of the offense. Cause I mean, Joe, at this point, it's, it's not an insult, but when you're an older player, they, they use it. You kind of look at them like, I'm not that old, but, but a coach on the field, Joe would qualify as a coach on the field. The defensive side, they get the return of Carl Lawson, which is significant. CJ Mosley is a solid player. Quinn and Williams too. Rookie sauce Gardner getting a lot of attention. Uh, I'm curious to see. I mean, he's a guy who didn't give up a touchdown last year in college. Uh, let's see what he does as a pro, but the secondary is significantly better. Uh, I mean, we're still going to wait for Zach Wilson to get on the field, probably in week two against Cleveland. Uh, you know, as long as I'm mentioning Cleveland, um, look, Deshaun Watson, that whole th- the thing that went around and whatever the suspension is, is, is deserved based on the evidence. But the fact of the matter is, why would Cleveland give that much guaranteed money to a guy that is essentially not going to play this year? I don't know. Just isn't that kind of a very Cleveland Brown thing to do? Yeah. Uh, for lack of for lack of a better answer, to be honest with you, Howard, it's it's not that surprising. They're desperate for the attention. They're desperate for success and desperate organizations and what they do not dumb things necessarily, but they do desperate things. And that contract is a real, uh, pretty good indication of desperation. And what they're going to be able to do long-term, I don't know. Name the the last coach and organization heads in that that building that have had any kind of long-term future. They, They haven't. Since they came back as this expansion team, they haven't had much in the way of continued success and that's something that's uh, it not only has held them back and it will for the foreseeable future I, Cleveland Cleveland is a great place they and the Detroit Lions uh, to me have probably the most loyal fan bases only because you've got to be that loyal to s- stay loyal to a team that doesn't win um, I, I, I'm if they ever get around to explaining this I'm sure you know the boys and Baltimore would love to have that contract explained to them because they're trying to do one with Lamar Jackson and keeping some kind of equity. They can call that contract an outlier, but it's only an outlier until the next guy's deal. And the next guy's deal is Lamar. Former offensive lineman Randy Cross. Uh, Tom Brady said he was going to retire, then he didn't retire. Uh, You wonder at what point does he show his age on the field at 45? And then there's the... um, (laughs) <laughs> the uh, I don't know what kind of rumors you talk about, but he and his wife argued over whether or not he should be playing. I don't know what that crap's all about, but it sells newspapers. The fact of the matter is, at some point, I mean, Tom Brady is going to show that he's not a kid anymore, right? I guess at some point, yeah, but did you see it last year? No. No. Um, I mean, the guy led the league in a lot of pretty important categories. Um... Yeah, I, I, I'm not looking for it. It's usually, to me, it's if it's not in his play, it's going to be in sort of the play of people around him. It's He's always been very lucky to have a well-coached 
not necessarily all all pro and all time you know pro bowlers and all that on the offensive line but they've always been very very solid and there were a few weak links in the chain i think in the up front for tampa bay and in that case especially when you're talking about face pressure because the, the giants showed in those two super bowls if you can get that a and b gap pressure you know you can make him less than stellar mm-hmm. and that's that to me is by my guess at least early on until proven otherwise that's how you attack that offense and make Tampa Bay beatable is you get that face pressure on right two outstanding wide receivers change their address Tyreek Hill goes from Kansas City to Miami Devontae Adams goes from Green Bay to Las Vegas which one of those receivers is going to have the greater impact on their new teams um, I guess the the home kind of the homeboy reunion in Vegas. I, I like I like Devontae Adams getting back together with Carr. Mm-hmm. Just just from the feel good story standpoint. Um, we'll see how the Tyreek Hill thing goes. I I you know two is one of those quarterbacks you can, everyone's got to kind of root for because he seems like such a, such a good kid, but we haven't really seen. You know, high quality, consistent play out of him, and you know, unless things have changed in the NFL, I'm pretty sure the wide receivers, no matter how good they are, don't know how to throw the ball to themselves. Um, so we'll see how Tua does, but I think Adams in that offense is going to be tough, especially with some of the other tools they've already got. Uh, just with Miami, look, Miami's got Jalen Waddle on the other side, who's a good receiver. Uh, but it all comes down to Tua. Um, I don't know if you consider this a make-or-break year for Tua. Uh, a lot, most people that I talk to, they've got their doubts about the guy, whether it's fair or unfair. Uh, he's now got a Super Bowl-type wide receiver, and I'm just wondering, it was Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill because of Patrick Mahomes throwing to him? And now we're going to find out what he's like with Tua Tagovailoa throwing to him. Yeah, you know, it's we all sort of forget, I think, at times that to to a certain degree, and players don't want to admit it. I mean, no one has ever wanted to admit it, whether they were playing for Vince Lombardi or Andy Reid or, you know, Bill Cower or whoever. But, you know, systems do make players to a degree. Right. And they and not so much make them what they are, but they give them the opportunities. And I think what Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy were doing in Kansas City helped. Uh, having a tight end like Kelsey helped. Having having you know a quarterback like Patrick really helped. Um, so you know if if Tyreek's as good as all his fans think he is, then it should be a pretty significant improvement for the Miami offense. But. You know, my guess would be, at least early on, you're going to see a system and a quarterback and a wide receiver that are going to be still getting on the same page once we start the season. It's one of one of the byproducts, and we've talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, of preseason being what it is now in the NFL. You're running into the first game of the season, sort of your first time to really get a full-speed, great look at all your guys. And, and, and that's kind of scary yeah. <laughs> if you're a coach or a front office. But, 
you know, the the whole match of Tua and and Tyreek and how this offense, you know, operates under under their new coach. This is it. We're gonna we're gonna see. So, what will this system do for him? Well, let me ask you a question on the other side now. Tyreek Hill is no longer in Kansas City. Devontae Adams is no longer in Green Bay. Which one of those teams is going to miss those two receivers the most? Uh, I'd say Green Bay. I mean, you look at their roster. Uh, it's you got a lot of young and inexperienced guys that they're going to have to rely on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Dobbs, the kid out of Nevada, I saw him a couple games over the last few years. He was always a guy that really kind of jumped off the tape at you. And I, and I think playing in that offense for that quarterback um, will help him become a significantly better receiver. But I, I think Green Bay's not that it's in trouble, because anytime you got Aaron Rodgers and back-to-back MVPs at quarterback, you got a pretty good head start. But, but I think they're going to suffer maybe a little bit from the fact of the inexperience. And that'll that'll come in at the, the crunch times, not only with catches, but knowing what the defense is going to do, kind of sharing the brain with Aaron, because they just don't have the reps. I completely agree. Uh, you know, every once in a while, Pete Carroll, who I have a lot of respect for, but I read an article today, and what Pete Carroll said about the departure of Russell Wilson made me scratch my head a little bit. Uh, somebody said to him, um, is this going to be a major turnabout that you no longer have Russell Wilson? And Pete Carroll said, I don't look at it that way. And I was, I was searching in the article for, well, which way do you look at it? You know, I have journeyman Geno Smith as your quarterback, backed up by Drew Locke, who you drafted in the second round. And Smith supposedly has beaten him out for the starting quarterback job. I think Seattle's got a lot to be concerned about, don't you? Oh, not having Russell? Absolutely. I mean, you could make an argument that at least a couple of the years, he might have been about as good an MVP candidate as you had in the NFL for for what he was able to do behind not much of an offensive line. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Russell Wilson fan by the way he played, the way he really learned to craft the ability to run to pass. Um, he's, he's a great leader. They are going to miss him sorely, especially when they get in that, you know, end of the game, fourth quarter, end of the half, those situations, they can say whatever they want. But, you know, I think part of this right now is kind of whistling past the graveyard on the part of Pete. You know, Pete's, I don't want, I'm not saying he's ignoring the problem, but I can't to a degree, he's kind of pretending it doesn't exist. Well, here's Russell. Russell's now in Denver. Without question, in my judgment, the AFC West is as tough a division. No, I'm going to go further. That's the toughest division, and you win games in that division. It's going to be a fistfight between Vegas and the Chargers and Denver and Kansas City. My goodness, <laughs> that's that's six hard games they all have. Yeah, if you, if you take the West in both conferences, Howard. Yeah. I mean, the AFC and the NFC West. Um, you know, sometimes in the NFL, heck, in football in general, the, the West Coast can kind of be the witness protection program <laughs> at times because not everybody, you know, is up on what's going on out there. But it's going to demand attention. And I think it will demand attention because of the numbers 
and the kind of offenses and the kind of defenses. Um, you know, especially look at the quarterback position. Yep. You added Russell Wilson <laughs> to a division that already had Herbert and, he, and they had Mahomes. And, and you already, it's crazy. It, it really, really is. I, I think the AFC West is going to be entertaining. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, when you look at the wild card teams, think that, you know, at least two of them might come out of both those divisions in each conference. Yeah, there's no question about it. Were you surprised that the 49ers brought back, uh, you know, kept Garoppolo? No, not really. I, I, you know, they could. And I, I thought personally it made them a better team. And, and that's not something you could always say. It's a great insurance policy. It wasn't at a stupid price. And it still leaves them with a chip. You know, no matter what they talked about, you know, there's a no trade clause, there's a this clause and a that clause. Well, yeah, and if you believe that, you also believe in Santa Claus. Because um, he could also be a great sort of something in your hip pocket if somebody gets an injury and has to have a quarterback. But, you know, until further notice, and, and Trey Lance gets out there in a real game, and consistently can do it and consistently can make that offense really, really dangerous, what better to have than a guy that you know can get you in a championship game, that yep. knows he can get you in a Super Bowl-type game? Um, that's a that's a win-win. Um, whether it's disruptive, disruptive in the meeting room or in the locker room or whatnot, and I've talked to you know a few people that would argue that 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 locker room's a little bit divided as to which guy he want, they would like to see go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as who's, 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 who should start. But, you know, that could be a dynamic that you can use to your advantage, too, you know, if you're Shanahan. And I think he and John Lynch should get more praise and criticism for that move. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning of this that you were going over to a studio. What studio are you going to to do what show? Uh, Tuesday nights. Uh, inside College Football, 9 to 11 on CBS Sports Network. Okay. I've been doing that show now for 10 or 12 years and fly up to New York every early in the week, every week, and then go do a game on the weekends. Oh, that's great. Uh, look, I'm curious. Uh, you got Alabama playing Texas this week. Don't, nobody asked me, but, and I haven't judged this entire team. I think this Alabama team is on their way to winning it all again. I think they're better than they were last year. You know, they might be. They might be, and, and it'll be health again. And, you know, health and losing receivers to injury at the end of that, you know, and that those two playoff games really hampered them, kind of handicapped them a little bit. But Georgia won, and Georgia's the champ. And, you know, I'm not sure if people that watched that Georgia-Oregon game uh, weren't pretty convinced that maybe Georgia was at least as good, if not better, this year to beat an Oregon team like that. So, yeah, I, I think Alabama it might be better than last year, but I think you better start realizing they might have to be better if they're going to beat Georgia. Yeah, there's no question. Always enjoy talking to you, my friend. You stay safe. Thank you. Anytime, Howard. Thank you. He is the great Randy Cross. Did a lot of games with Mr. Cross. We did a game together in New Orleans one year. A Saints game against the Giants. And it, it turned out to be a pretty good game. 
Drew Brees had a big game in the fourth quarter in particular, won the game, no surprise. But the night before on Saturday night, of course, in New Orleans, you, no matter what restaurant you walk into, you're not going to get a bad meal. We went into one restaurant. Somebody recommended it to us. And I forget who recommended it, but I'm, it's scratching my head. It's making me crazy because it was fantastic. And our cross and I just devoured some food in that place. Uh, I can't compete with Randy in eating. I mean, he's all world. I'm just all neighborhood. It's a big difference. Uh, a final thought before we call it a day. I'm watching the Yankees yesterday. And everybody's pointing fingers at Aaron Boone. You don't have Denton Tendy, who made a nice splash after slow start with the Yankees. You don't have Rizzo. You don't have Carpenter, who came out of the gate very strong. There's three starters that you don't have, all with good bats. And you don't have that. So everybody is screaming that the Yankees are struggling offensively with who? Aaron Judge and give me somebody else. Aaron Hicks is like an automatic out. Giancarlo Stanton yesterday was injured, and that might be a blessing. Look, I don't wish an injury on anybody. But was he two for 30 since coming back from a previous injury? I mean, he's like an automatic out. You look at this team, and there's a bunch of guys that you had never heard of until the last few weeks because they were desperate to bring up minor leaguers. They won a game yesterday. You still have three more with Minnesota before hosting Tampa Bay later in the week. This is a critical week for the New York Yankees. No question about it. But I'm not laying it on Aaron Boone. I'm here telling him to go run a 100-yard dash with a 50-pound weight on his shoulders. It's not fair. As for the Mets, different story. They've kind of let the Braves in a little bit. They were postponed yesterday with their game in Pittsburgh. But the Braves are not going away. Now, I still think the Mets are winning the division because the schedule is markedly easier than Atlanta's. So they'll wind up winning the division. The Braves will wind up getting a wild card. We'll see if they meet in the postseason. Should be interesting. I'm Howard David. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live, and you stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.